your boy da the reformer we're back with another episode of reformers radio this is episode number five i think um yeah i'm gonna have to check on that anyway we're not gonna waste any time we're gonna get right into it um i want to talk to y'all about something that i had thought about earlier this week and it was it's god's providence right god's provisional hand in and on and around all up and in through our lives. So I took the time to do a lot of legwork for y'all. And I went and I looked up the word, looked up the word Providence on dictionary.com. All right. So you don't have to go get your dictionaries or your dictionary.com apps because I did it for you. And one of the definitions of Providence, it says God's foreseen protection and care of his creatures. That's everybody and everything. And it goes on to say the foresight or care exercised by a person in the management of his affairs or resources. I don't really like that definition, so I kind of shortened it and rephrased it. And I like to define God's providence as God looking out for you for his glory. God looking out for you for his glory is how I like to define God's providence, because there are a lot of times in our life where things are rough. And then we come out of it and we're in a so much we're so much more better off than we were before. And that's really only because God said, hey, it's not going to be like this. It's going to be like that. And guess what? He did that before the foundations of the world. Now, a lot of what I'm going to say in this episode is probably going to sound like predestination, but we're not talking about predestination right now. All right. That's for another time at another podcast. Not right now, but. I mean, there are elements of predestination within providence. I mean, we're dealing with the sovereign creator of the universe and he he's planned everything from the beginning. So how can, you know, the things in our life that we look back and see, you know, God's providential hand, how else can it not be predestination? But we're not dealing with that right now. We're dealing with providence. We're dealing with another theological P word. All right. Providence. Um, and. It's so crazy because we know that God is moving and shaking things up in our life all to bring us closer to him, to make us more like his son, to conform us to his likeness. Um, and that involves sanctifying works, um, involves sanctifying graces. And oftentimes in the middle of the tests and the trials that we go through, we definitely don't see how it's helping us become more like Christ. It's not until after the storm. It's not until after the trial that we can look back and say, it's all God, you know, although we, we know it consciously in the middle of it, we have a tendency to stress. We have a tendency to um, be anxious about particular situations. And we, uh, we, we don't completely trust 
and God in his word. You know, Jesus has said in Matthew chapter six that the birds, they don't they don't take care of themselves, really. They rely fully on God for their continued sustenance day in and day out. God clothes the flowers. They don't make their own clothes. Yet Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of those. So if God takes care of the birds and he clothes the grass, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more does he care for you? I mean, these are words we know, but yet and still there are times when we forget them. Practically anyway. So what I hope this episode is, I hope it's an encouragement because I'm going to talk about just different ways I've seen God's providence in my life and how it's brought me to this point. And yeah, but first, what I want to deal with is just a biblical understanding of providence. And we all hopefully um, these are all things that we know and have an understanding of. But if you don't, it's my prayer that you learn something new and that you take it and you run with it and you um, begin to dig deeper into the word and learn more and see God in a more glorious light because he created the universe. He's the epitome of shining glory. And the more we dig into the scripture and learn about him, the more we see of him, the more he reveals himself to us, the greater our love becomes for him and the deeper our worship goes. So when we're talking about God's providence, we don't always see it in the moment, but when we look back, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, hopefully we can see God's providential hand in our life. So we always have to keep in our mind, in the forefront of our mind, that God's number one priority is his glory. It's not about us having a house. It's not about us having a nice car, clothes. It's not about any of that. Everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we want to become should bring God glory. So for those of us who are in Christ, that's what he is conforming us to. He's conforming us to his glory, to the likeness of his son. He is making us more like Christ because Christ epitomized God's glory in the earth. So how does God get us to that place where we're reflecting his glory and shining in a dark and evil world by making us more like Christ? And that involves sanctifying us and taking us through the fire sometimes. And every time we look back over our life, we should be able to see it just a little bit more and more. So we have to remember that because God's number one priority is his glory. Um, he's already told us in his word that he's working all things out according to the counsel of his will. And I don't want to just sit here and talk and not support anything I'm saying with scripture, because just because you say something doesn't make it true. So I'm going to bring, I hope to bring scripture to bear on this just a little bit. Um, first, you don't have to go there. I'll read it for you, but you can go back and check it out just to make sure I'm not lying. Ephesians one, I'm going to read, uh, the first 14 verses. Um, Ephesians one starts off and reads Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Yo, I, I love Ephesians for everything that we're going through right now in life. Everything that the Lord is taking us through is to the praise of his glory. Because we have an inheritance in him through Christ who came, whose main, whose number one objective was to glorify the father. And he did that through submitting to the will of the father and going to the cross. You know, we just celebrated Easter. Um, and, you know, is that time of year when we just stop. And I don't want to say put extra emphasis on the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. But, you know, it's just that time of year when we celebrate it for what it is. Granted, we we celebrate the resurrection of Christ theoretically every day as Christians, you know, because we wouldn't be here had it not been for that. But we set around, we set aside that time to focus on it more and kind of refresh ourselves with it. And even in that act, scripture tells us that God used the Jews, Pontius Pilate, Herod, everybody involved. Although from the outside looking in, it was a horrible situation. They condemned an innocent man to death. Yet God in his providence had said, this is what it's going to be because I have vessels of mercy in the earth. I have sheep, not of the fold of Israel that I need to bring in. I have a creation that is separated from me because of sin. I need to make a way to bring them back to myself. And that way was made through Jesus Christ. And we see that even in Genesis three, from the time Adam and Eve sinned, God told the serpent, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head and you're going to bruise his heel. From that moment forward, the entire stage was set. The entire history of providence and God bringing us back to himself was already worked out. You know, there was no ifs, ands or buts about it. God said, this is what it is. That's what it's going to be from Genesis three. All the way through. It's all about Christ pointing to how God in his hand of providence is working things out. 
If we look a little bit further in the in the Old Testament, we see God's providential hand again in the life of Abraham. God told Abraham, kill your, kill your only son, <laughs> kill Isaac. And it, we, we know Isaac was the son of promise. And as Abraham and Isaac were going up the mountain to to worship, Isaac looked up and said, Dad, I see the fire. I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham wisely looked at him and said, God is going to provide for himself a lamb. And at the end of the day, we know God provided a ram in the bush, but that lamb was yet to come. We know that lamb was Christ. Again, God's hand of providence working things out. We can look a little bit forward, a little more forward in, in the life of Joseph. We all like to point to the story of Joseph and say, oh, well, he remained faithful and God blessed him and he had dreams and you can have dreams and we don't have time for that kind of preaching. <sighs> OK, I'm back. But Joseph went through a lot, right? He was betrayed by his brothers sold into slavery, lied on, thrown in jail, forgotten about. All these bad things happened to him. But at the end of the story, when everybody is reconciled, practically, um, Joseph looks at his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And it wasn't so much that God wanted to bless uh, just Joseph's initial family, because they were preserved to save a nation. If Joseph doesn't go into Egypt, Egypt doesn't get, um, Israel doesn't get saved. If Israel doesn't get saved, then Christ doesn't come. And the only reason we can say that is because that's how it worked out through redemptive history. Now, could there have been another way? Sure. God could have done whatever he wanted to, but he chose to work through that particular situation. So that's what it is. And we trust God in our own lives that even in the midst of our tests and trials, that we are coming out better. That God is working things out for his glory. He's working things out in ways that, there, there are no other options but to, to glorify him because we know that it was nobody but him. Even in my own life, I look back and there are more than a few situations where I can see God directly working things out. Um, one, one aspect or one incident one time um, was in my selection of um, college. Now that w I look back and I can say that that one choice alone would have literally, if it were different, would have altered the, my course, the course of my entire life. And I mean, from where I'm living now to where I'm working to my whole family situation, everything would be different. Nothing would be the same. And I can say that with full confidence. And it's, it, I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, a few years removed from college or that the, 
the happenings since then have been so dramatic and so drastic that, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that if I had been somewhere else, things wouldn't have been the wouldn't have been the same. So I'm going to just walk you through this thread that I think about sometimes. Right. If I don't select the college that I went to. If I went somewhere different, I would not have met the woman that is now my wife. I met her my freshman year. We actually shared a math. We had the same math class together. We were a part of Cambridge Crusade the my entire time there. Um, but it was four years before we began courting and, and dating. And eventually I proposed and all of that. So if I don't go to the school, I don't meet her. If I don't meet her, then <laughs> I'm probably somewhere still a heathen. Just being honest, um, because I can say that God used her to bring me closer to himself. Um, again, he could have done whatever he wanted to, but it's my firm belief that if her and I weren't together, I'd been out trying to sow my royal oats. You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, not not boasting in that, but I see how God worked things out to uh to stabilize me and, and make me more focused. So, if I don't go to school where I did, I don't meet her. If I don't meet her. Probably, you know, somewhere off in the gutter. Um, yeah. So moving on, if we weren't together, we wouldn't have been at a, a carnival one day where um, a particular gentleman had approached me about a, a job opportunity that I had never given any consideration. Um, at that time, my wife was pregnant and I'm walking around this carnival and this man approaches me. He says, hey, you know, um, we're hiring at my organization and believe you, you know, you seem like you'd be a good fit for us. So you should apply. I said, I'm not trying to have it. Um, then another gentleman that approached me said the same thing. You look like you'd be a good candidate. Think you should apply to our organization. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> but my wife looked at me and said, Hey, don't you think, you know, you should at least give it a shot. So, eh, okay. So I went, got an application and probably about, you know, two weeks later, the dead, the, the day, the um, deadline, the day of the deadline, I finally took in the application. And it was about six months before I heard anything substantial. And then once I got um, those phone calls, things moved pretty rapidly. And I ended up in the career that I have now, um, which is pretty dope. Uh, now. I know it definitely seems like I'm scatterbrained all over the place. At least that's how I feel. But if I don't, if one decision isn't made, then there are a whole lot of other things that don't happen. And I can see how God has used all of the things, all of those different um, elements and bringing me to closer to himself, making me more like him so that I can bring him the most glory. You know, God wouldn't get 
the same type of glory out of my life if I wasn't if I wasn't saved, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside, if I was just out in the world. Granted, God's still going to get his glory at the end of the day. He will be glorified. Um, but I'd much rather be I much rather willfully glorify him and worship him <laughs> than to suffer under his wrath and there glorify him from that position. I'd much rather be right where I am. And that's uh that's something I'm definitely thankful for. Now, uh I was gonna say something else too. But there was a um there was another time if my wife my wife and I's uh, first year of marriage, I was working as a personal trainer at a at a box gym and I wanted to you know break off and and do my own thing so I had started looking for properties to open up a gym facility and I was talking to a guy who was I trained at the time and he said that he owned a a, a gym a, a facility um not too far from where I lived so he, he and I, you know, we had a little agreement that I'd work out of there. I wouldn't pay rent right away, but, you know, I could just build up my clientele base and eventually, you know, I pay rent, whatever, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. So I was training out of there probably for about three, four weeks. And one day I'm having a conversation with some assistant and she says, hey, you know, you haven't paid any rent, da, 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 da. You haven't told us when you're going to be there. So we're going to have to, you know, terminate this relationship. I said, I right, cool, whatever. I'll leave the key Wednesday morning. So Wednesday morning went, had my last training session. Um, and I remember sitting on the turf in the facility and I cried and I prayed. And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm OK with it. <laughs> You know, I I had no other choice, but that particular situation definitely hurt me a lot inside, you know, personally, because one, I felt like I was lied to, somewhat mistreated, whatever, whatever, but mo mo mostly because I was doing something that I thought that, you know, would bring God glory, you know, helping other people be healthy and, you know, I had the gospel music going and. Um, during the training sessions. So, you know, in my mind, I felt as I was doing a really good thing. So it's like, you know, why wouldn't why wouldn't this work out? But when it didn't work out and it kind of all crumbled, I said, OK, back back to square one. So I cried and prayed. And before I walked out the facility that day and I said, God, you know, it's all in your hands. It is what it is. So needless to say, I'm not training right now. And I'm okay with that, but I'm in a more noble profession. Um, but the only there, there's one thing that I would leave this job for, and that's to to take a a ministry position. Um, I don't know when that happened. I don't know where to be, but one thing that I do know, as I've seen God's hand work in my life, is that He's going to work it out. And there's no doubt in my mind about it. Even if, you know, I lose this job and nothing else is lined up, 
that's no problem for me because every almost every single job I've had since I've graduated from college, um, I've gotten because of an act of God. Mainly, um, he'd put someone in my life and they'd have a connection somewhere. And I'd get a phone call, say, hey, do you want to work here? I say, sure, great. Um, definitely. So I've seen God's hand work in my life before. And I know he's working even now. And he's going to continue to work until we are made till we are in his till we are reflecting his glory to the maximum. And that won't happen until we're till we receive our glorified bodies in the end. That's why we can live this life with no worries, because the worst thing that can happen to us on this side is that we die. And if we're in Christ, we don't really die. So it's not death to die. I like that song. Um, Because we, we know from Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. God is working all things out in our life to make us more like him, make us more like his son. And he does that through acts of providence, through acts of providing for us um, providentially. He's in control of it all. So, like I said, I hope something in this was uh, encouraging to somebody. I hope you got something out of it. And, you know, I want to hear your stories. I want to hear how you have seen God's hand of providence in your life. So what you can do, you can either hit me up on Twitter at D.A. The Reformer. Or you can send me an email, D.A. The Reformer at gmail.com. That's D.A. The Reformer at gmail.com. Send me a story. I'll read it on the um podcast next show. So, yeah, I mean, as a body, we need we should come together and encourage one another build to build each other up. And we need reminders like this from time to time because it gets rough. And this Christian life isn't meant to be lived alone. I know we have our local bodies at our churches and we probably have accountability partners and prayer partners and other people that we can lean on, you know, elsewhere. But, you know, why not build a community around this? You know, so like I said, send me your stories and I'll share them on the air about how God has provided providentially for us and made ways when it didn't look like there was really a way out. Or we can just look back and see how God has manipulated things in our life to get us where we are today. Uh, I know people may call it chance or fate, but there's no such thing because God is working out everything according to his will, to the praise of his glory. And that's Bible word. Before we get out of here, though, I got a couple shout outs. First shout out goes out to Wooden Tap. Wooden Tap is a restaurant in my state, I don't know if you have it. You can Google it and see if they're in your area. Wooden Tap is a bar and grill. And I ate there today and I had a cheeseburger pizza. When I saw it on the menu, I already knew this was God's hand of providence because it was two of my favorite foods. Cheeseburgers and pizza. But it was like one thing and it was amazing. 
And I wish everyone could experience the joy of a cheeseburger pizza. I don't know if you've ever had one before, but this was, it was really good. You need a cheeseburger pizza from Wooden Tap in your life. They're not paying me to say this. I got another shout out and they're going out to Hems. Hems have become a larger part of my life over the last year. And I'm so glad. I'm so thankful for it. Sunday at church, I heard for the first time, um, Christ has risen. No, um, Christ has arisen. He, they, they laid him low. That's like the formal, that's like the first line of the hymn. And you know, hymns, usually the first line is the name. They laid him low. We sang that one. Um, Christ arose. And I heard it for the first time on Sunday and I've been singing it ever since. And I can honestly say that that has been the first hymn that I've taught my two-year-old son. And I sing it with him. And I'm so overjoyed because he's singing like the, the most foundational truth of the Christian faith. He is singing it at two years old. You don't get that from a lot of contemporary worship songs. You don't get that from a lot of what they call gospel music today. You know, he arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. A two-year-old is singing the most foundational Christian truth there is. Without the resurrection, we have no Christian faith. Without the resurrection, we are the most men to be pitied. I'm so thankful for hymns. Um, I'm looking forward to the future of learning more and teaching more to my children, Lord willing. And with that, you know, I'm going to shut this down because at the time I'm recording this, it's late or early, depending on what side of the sun you're on. But that doesn't matter. So, like I said, send me your emails, dattheformer at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at dattheformer. Things have been real crazy in the Anon world, but we'll get it together one day, soon, hopefully. Um, like I said, this is Reformers Radio, the podcast. I'm your host, your brother, your friend, DA the Reformer. And until we meet again, Go with God.